Well, praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adewi again. I'm going through the Gospel of Mark. I'm now at chapter 3. And as I say, I will read through it and then stop and give some comments that I will perhaps compare scripture with scriptures to give us more insight and enlightenment. Chapter 3, verse 1. And he entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they washed him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. See, these Pharisees and the Jews are too concerned about their Sabbath day, like I was saying in the last broadcast. And they were watching. You see, a man was there on the Sabbath day that has a withered hand. I mean, his hand was dried up. He couldn't move. And they were watching him to see whether he was going to heal on the Sabbath day. And that's how Jesus Christ handled this. Pastoring. And the Lord Jesus Christ said unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said unto him, to them, now you address the people that were, you already knew what they were thinking of. Because, well, you see, you don't go, you went from synagogue to synagogue. And you know that on the Sabbath days, where you people gather in the synagogue. And if you don't even heal this person that day, when are you going to meet the person again? And God is love. God wanted to heal. God came to deliver us. He said, well, I can't do it today. You are, you are going away from this place. Like, where are you going to meet the man? So the Lord has the liberty to heal them on that, in that synagogue. But you see, the Jews don't see, the, see, the Pharisees don't see it that way. They are not concerned about the man being healed. They are more concerned about their religion or their Sabbath. And that is the problem of religion. Tie them up. So the Lord said, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil? To save life or to kill? That's a strange question. And they, were, they couldn't answer. But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said unto the man, Stretch forth the hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Verse 6. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Now they were now plotting, right? This was still in, in Galilee. According to this story, I mean, every place. He has to go from city to city in Galilee, preaching. And on the Sabbath day, he'll be in the synagogue teaching. And that's where this confrontation was coming up on the Sabbath days. Whenever I was in the synagogue, and someone that has need healing was also in the synagogue there. Whether the man came there purposely for that, or the man was always there for that same, he just couldn't, nobody could help him. But here comes the Messiah, and he could help him, and he wanted him not to, not to help the person. Because it's a Sabbath day. What kind of a Sabbath day is that? God wanted to help humanity. So, Sabbath or no Sabbath. So, that was their problem in that generation. But these people wanted to go and find a way how they might destroy him. They are now talking to the Herodians. Herodians are the servants of Herod. King Herod who was a non-believer. And Herod was one that killed John the Baptist, the prophet. And they are now saying, well, maybe we want Herod to get rid of this man also. Verse 7 of Mark chapter 3. 
But Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. That's it. And from Jerusalem and from Idumea and from beyond Jordan. And they about Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, in so much that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. Now look at that verse 10. Many times we want, many of us are praying that Lord send revival, send revival. What we what I notice here is that we better be ready for the revival. But when the revival broke up in the days of you know, the apostles, even in the days of the apostles after Christ resurrected and went up, and the Holy Ghost was down, Paul, that they said that the people are coming to Jerusalem with sick people, carrying sick people into the streets of Jerusalem. It made the rulers of Jerusalem to be angry. So when we call about revival, I don't think it will be welcomed by the government. Revival, revival, we are asking for. And God is going to send another mighty revival through his body of Christ. But don't think the governments of the nations will like it. Don't think the hospitals will like it. People that are in the hospital that are sick, when the revival breaks up, some believers may go to the hospital and just pray for them and they are healed. Pray for them and they are healed. And people want to be discharged. When the doctor has not certified, they say, what's happening? The hospital wants to make money. The hospital wants for them to stay there at least three days. But maybe the second day they are leaving. They are healed. The hospital is making money by them keeping there and making money by charging them $100 a, a, a night. <laughs> Not to talk about the food and talk about this, they are feeling them. When they were being delivered and healed and hospitals being discharged and being emptied, the hospital staff will be angry because they say, well, we have to lay off nurses, no, sir. we have to lay off doctors, no, sir. The, the medical world will be angry if something like that is happening. The government will put a law not to, not to allow this to happen. So don't be thinking when revival comes, oh, everybody will be happy, everybody will love it. The day Apostle Paul raised the make a lame man to walk, that same day they stoned Apostle Paul. They stoned him to death. Why? They should be happy that somebody that had been lame from his mother's womb they was healed. No, they are not happy about that. They first call him, maybe he's a god. And he said, we are not gods. There's some enemies who don't like what Apostle Paul did. Came and tricked this man and said, stone these people, they are deceiving you. And they stole them. So, that, so they just know that it is a warfare between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness is still ruling these governments. The kingdom of darkness is what is going on all over the world. That's why they are more interested in the money making. They are more interested in the, in the gentleness, quietness of their city. When the apostles begin to heal the sick, they say people line up in the streets of Jerusalem so that if Peter is passing by, even his shadow can heal them. And that was happening. But who are these people lining up? The sick, the afflicted. And you know the sick are not well-dressed, no sir. Don't think they will be well-dressed in suits. Many of them are sickly. And you can see from their body that no, most of those rabbis and Pharisees don't want these people in their neighborhood. Why? Because they are like homeless people or they are so sickly people. And they are now putting their beds on the streets waiting for the apostles. They don't, they don't like that. They want these people to not come to their city. So don't ever think that revival is going to make everybody clap for you and the city will give you a key to, their, to, their, to, their, to the city. No, they might stone you. 
So that is what you see when Christ started healing the sick. The Pharisees didn't like it either. They didn't like it. Because why? Because they were, you know, what I'm trying to point out, they were strongly to touch Jesus. Who are these people trying to touch him? People that were sick, the leper, the this, and you can look, you can imagine how they all look like. They were not well dressed, they are ragged, they are, and they are trying to touch him because they said that they, when they told him they will heal. So are we ready for that? That's what I'm saying. Or we are more preferred to be in a dignified pyramidic temples with suits and ties and white shirts that the sick that has a mucus in his nose should touch us. You see, we we better think this thing and get ready to, to serve the Lord, ready to be among the paupers. That's what I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just preaching. I'll be on my on my on my what do you call it? on my my house right there. But see, what you are saying is that when Christ was healing the sick, the people that were sickly and afflicted, they were pressing upon him to touch him. And these people that are pressed to touch him are not the dignified men or women. They are the sickly, the afflicted, the, the one that has the running nose and mucus on their nose, or leper, fingers already eaten away with disease. If you are thinking these are contagious, you are not knowing Christ. Because all those things, Christ has talked about what people, doctors call contagious diseases. You see? So we need to rethink our, our life and, and believe God that, Lord, we are following you, Lord, and we are going to serve you. And not serving dignified positions ourselves. See? That is what I'm talking about. Think about it, that they are trying to touch him. If they are trying to touch you, you can say, don't touch me, you are sickly. Don't touch me you, with your vanilla touch. Or HIV, HIV disease. Or the, oh no, those doesn't 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 come upon wishes on most high God. Number one, number two, their dirtiness does not affect them. You have to touch them. Christ touched the leper, which the Pharisees would not touch because they think it's contagious. No, but Christ touched the leper out of compassion, and those people are clock, clock moving to him to touch him. Not that's not why. It's not because he didn't want them to touch him. It's the same because they were almost pressing on him until they clock. Push him into the into the lake. That's why he went to a, a ship. But see, they are these people who are these touching him. I'm saying they are the sickly. They are the one that you will say they are dirty looking. They are the one that you will say they are untidy. Because they are sick. They are untidy. They are sickly. I mean, physically sick and dirty clothes. What sick people wear. You don't see anyone that is sick and wearing the best dress and nicely clean up. No, they are dirty looking. How much more those that demon possessed? They wanted to touch him so they could deliver them. So that's why I'm saying it's time for we, the body of Christ, to think twice and say, Lord, we want to serve you. Help us, Lord, to throw away all this dignified way of life that we are carrying along and ready to serve the Lord in, in touching the pauper, touching the sick and the afflicted, and not afraid to touch them because they are going to be want to touch us. Because virtue will be coming out of us when God comes and upon the saints. Virtue will be coming out of us to heal them that come closer to touch us. They will be pronging us to touch us. And that's not, when, that's not the time for you to say, no, don't touch me, you're sick. No, you have to be healed. Don't touch me, you're dirty. No, they have to be, to be delivered. So that when they think right, then they will be not dirty anymore. See, that's what I'm trying to point out. But for this time being, this is what the Lord Christ did. For he had, verse 10 says, he had healed many in so much that they pressed upon him for to touch him. As many as had plagues, you see what they call plagues, all form of diseases. 
Masilem said, And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Verse 12 said, And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he went up into a mountain and called unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. Now, verse 16 is going to list the name of the 12 apostles that Christ called, separating them from the rest of the disciples so that they are going to be committed to be following him wherever he goes. The commitment, which means they are no more going to be going to a business and coming back in the evening. You know, sometimes people just go to their place of work and come in the evening to listen to teacher. Now, he's saying, Now, you guys, are, I'm selecting you to be committed to. Going because they are going every morning, every day, not just the evening time, not just weekend. When I was preaching in Nigeria, when they sent me out, I would go after work because I was still an engineer working. But after work, 5 p.m., I drove my jeep to the next village. Very soon, I have one or two people that will go with me. I go to the next village and preach until it's too late in the night. When I couldn't see, when it's getting dark, like 7 p.m., it's getting dark, then I'll preach for two hours. But if I have to drive almost one hour to go to the next village, I only have one hour to preach. So, but you see, that was then. But when Christ was preaching, it was not uh, going only in the evening time. It was going in the morning, afternoon, evening. So those people were committed to have no other job or just to follow him. He was preaching to them in the marketplace. He was preaching to them in the synagogue. He was preaching to them in the street. Because he had, he had only three, three and a half years. He already knew that he had only three and a half years to, to do this in Israel. And it's a big place. Even this planet we are in is a big place. For one person to even cover just a, a, a place called Israel, which is a small country compared to bigger countries, is it's a tough, a tough work. But the Lord did call 12 people that will continue the, the work after he left. So this is verse 16, and it's listing the name of the disciples, the apostles that Christ chose. Verse 16 and Simon is solemn Peter. And James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into a house. Now, the, when you look at the name of these disciples, you see the Lord giving, uh, Mark, Mark giving the second name that Jesus Christ gave them. Say, the sons of Sebede, he called them, Boanerges means the sons of thunder. Now, this was reported that he called them sons of thunder, possibly because the Lord knew that they would be the one that would be calling, want to call fire upon, upon villages. God saw that ahead of time. That's why he named them sons of thunder. And truly, when they were many, 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 second year or third year or something and they were going through the villages of uh, Samaria and they said Samaria, the Samaritan didn't accept, didn't receive Jesus Christ and James and John, his brother said, let's call fire upon this village like Elijah did and Jesus Christ laughed and said, sons of thunder indeed. That's why he, he already named them sons of thunder before they, before that occurred because God knew the, the their character before he would call them. The same thing he called Simon a rock, he changed his name to a, a Peter. He said, it's a, it's a rock. And mean that he was solid. So that was how the Lord gave those names. Now here is one that was said to be Simon the Canaanite. And that's the verse 18. You wonder whether the Canaanite means he was from Cana of Galilee 
or it was actually a Canaanite by the you know the Canaanites that the Bible said when the when the Lord said I give you the land of Canaan, they were to possess the land of the Canaanites. And but when the Israelites move over there, they destroy some cities after a while they, they couldn't destroy them anymore, they didn't destroy them anymore, they just mixed with them. So it's possible that Simon the Canaanite means he was a Canaanite by 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 what you call uh, ethnicity. Or they are talking of the Cana of Galilee, it's a city called Cana of Galilee or Cana of Galilee, whatever they call it. But that Cana of Galilee was just a city where Jesus Christ turned water to wine. So if people come from a particular city, they may also use the name of the city to call them and say Simon the Canaanite, like say Jesus of Nazareth. See? Jesus of Nazareth. They call Simon the Canaanite. Sometimes they use the name of their town to identify them that we are talking of Simon that is Canaanite, not Simon Peter. See? But it could also mean that it was actually a Canaanite, means it was not really Jew, but it was a Canaanite by ethnicity. But we do not know which one was referred to. Because in many ways in the scripture, in the old, in the old Testament, they mentioned the name of Caleb. Caleb in the Bible, as we all know, that was a man of faith in, that was followed Moses and the Lord Jesus Joseph and Caleb are the only people that will lead the people. The Bible said Caleb was a Kenesite. You wonder what does Kenesite mean to you? Because there's a tribe called the Kenesites. But you see, and then of course, when they left Egypt, there are so many mixed multitudes that follow them. So they are not all Jews. It's a mixed multitude to follow them. So could it be that Caleb was actually not a breed of the Jews? He was just a Kenesite that followed them. But he has been living among the Jews. He believed the Jehovah. Because when you look at the tribes in the Canaan, in that land, the Kenesites were also described as another, another, another group that were expected to be you know, the Kenites, Kenesites, and so on, so for Hivites and so on, that were in the Canaan land. So they mentioned Caleb, the son of Jephune, they call him the Kenesite. So before they can be attaching the name Kenesite to it, could mean that it was actually not a region, it was a Kenesite. Or it could also be just the name of a of, it, of his family line, because that is sometimes they use the family line to even describe the first of okay, it's an Ephratite. What do you mean by Ephratite? Ephratite, Ephratite was only a, a city. They say it's, a, it's an Ephratite. So it could mean that it's, it's, they call him that, they, they are talking of um, Elimelech, who was from Bethlehem of Judah. They say Bethlehem also is called Ephrata. See? Bethlehem Ephrata. So we think they identify that Ephrata is, is a town or the name of the town. So then they use the name of the town to say it's an Ephratite. So that's why I say sometimes they are using the name of the city to, to, to distinguish this man rather than saying he was of a tribe of Ephrat. Ephrat. So, so that's why we cannot say whether Simon the Canaanite means he was a Canaanite by ethnicity or just was from the city of Cana of Galilee. But then they mentioned Judas Iscariot was the one that betrayed him. Now verse 20. Verse 20 says, and that's Mark chapter 3 verse 20. And the multitude cometh together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his, his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said he is beside himself. Now take, take note of that. This, this revival has broken up, has, has started. The disciples were chose twelve apostles to be following him from place to place, and miracles were happening, healing were happening, 
and look at what was reported here. Verse 21. And when his friends, that is Jesus Christ's friends, we are talking of his home, home, home groom friends, like all his family members, what they meant. They heard of it. They went out to lay hold on him. I mean, they wanted to take Jesus off the streets. That's what it means. They, they went out to lay hold on him. For they said he is beside himself. The reason why any of any of those family members we think that way is because of the pressure from the rulers. Because they said these people are now thinking he has a devil. He's talking to these demons. You look at how they are talking about him. They say he must be using Beelzebub. So that as those accusations from the higher up, the Pharisees, the rulers, because they, they say the rulers of the you have to check the other gospel the rulers of the temple and the same people to go and find out about this man because this news is carried going to him in Jerusalem as the same prophet and after John they heard about John the Baptist but John the Baptist said somebody is coming after him so they kind of left John the Baptist alone but now this is the one that John the Baptist is coming after him and look at what he was doing he was talking to Pharisees and to the publicans he said that's a sinner was talking to Allah. Oh, that's sinful the thing. He was casting out devils. Those devils are even saying they know him. Oh, wow, it must be Belzebub that he's sending this man. So they have all those accusations. And then they started sending those accusations to his family members. You better take your son out of the streets. He's insane. He's this, he's that. So that's where this pressure came to the disciples or to the family members that make them to say his friends heard about it, I mean, heard about all these things that he was doing, and they went out to lay hold on him. I mean, lay hold on him. They want to arrest him, get him out of the streets. They think he's, 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 he's crazy. For they said, he's beside himself. He's beside himself. Me, he's out of his, he's crazy. That's what he means. That he, he's not, a, he's not normal. Let <laughs> me give you my own testimony. When I was preaching about, after my, not, I was still in college, but I was preaching from place to place by myself. And, one day, I came from college. I was in University of Ifede. I came from college very close to the end of the, my academic year, or very close to the end of my, my final year. So I came home for vacation, and I proposed within myself that, well, I will stay home for one night, and then I will, I will walk. I wanted to walk from my town, Jebibu, to another town where I have a friend, a college mate, who is actually graduated before me, but he, we, we preached together. So I said, well, instead of taking a taxi, I planned it myself. I didn't tell anybody. My parents didn't tell anybody, but I, they saw me. I came home and I started with them in the evening and they woke in the morning. I already planned that I will walk through the villages. I'm talking of 12 miles. We'll go from this, my town, to the next town I'm talking about, which is Yebode. It was a bigger town also. It's a 12-mile journey by road. But there was a shortcut that will take me not through the major roads, hard roads, it will be a shortcut through the villages, and that will reduce it to about maybe 10 miles. But that was my plan, that I will walk. I didn't tell, I just said, I will be going to Yebode, so I said, okay, bye. And I started walking, and instead of taking taxi, I went towards that village, and some of the people that saw me walking through those village roads, they thought this man was crazy. Is that not the man that he was supposed to be in college? Look at he was carrying the hand paper bag. I had the paper bag in my hand where I thought if I'm if I'm thirsty, I'll drink some water. That paper gas I bought a bottle in them, or perhaps a loaf of bread that I will eat if I 
I planned that I know I was going to be walking from morning to almost evening, and I wanted to branch from village to village on my foot, reaching to them, and then go to the next village, reach to them on the road to until I get to the, the city I was going. But somebody saw me when I branched off the major road and went to that village roads and sent to tell my parents that we saw your son that you said is in college and he was holding a paper bag and he was walking towards the villages on foot. And, and those villages actually there was no road and there's no car that goes through that place. So and he said he was going to Jebodi now. Huh. That was not the road to get Jebodi now. He was going towards the villages. That man must be crazy. Maybe he's He's, uh, he's, he's lunatic. That's what they were saying. You better go get him. So, just think of that. My daddy just got some FT men, three men, and get into a, into a truck or enter a, a pickup truck and run after me. And I got to the first village and I was walking to the next village when I saw this pickup truck come behind me and I saw my daddy inside the pickup truck with two or three men in the back of the pickup truck. And he said, hi. I said, oh, hi, daddy, how are you? But I was already going, just walking, walking to the When I saw the pickup truck, and they said, come on inside. I said, no, I'm going to the next village. It's okay, we'll take you to the next village. I saw you say you are going to Jebel. I said, yeah, I'm going to Jebel. I want to go, for, I want to preach from village to village. That's why. So that doesn't ring to them, doesn't ring well with them that you're going to be going from village to village preaching all by yourself on your foot. That's a long trip. It take you a whole night. Uh, well, I was planning to do that. So they wanted to uh, kind of arrest me, say, get inside, we'll take you to. But they kind of respected me because I was a college student. They said, well, we, we take you to Jebu. They said, no, I'm not going to Jebu. I'm going to the next village. I'm going to be preaching to the next village. Okay, come inside and we'll take you to the next village, which is about a mile. Okay, so I got into the car with them. So they kept going forward and they wanted to just run on past the next village. I said, no, stop right there. This is the village, the next village I want to preach here. So they respected that to the stop. And I came out of the vehicle and I saw some people in front of their village huts that just sitting there. It was now evening, maybe 3 p.m., 4 p.m. And I just went there and said, hi, everybody, Jesus Christ loves you. And I started preaching the gospel to them. So my daddy came down and the people that I trouble came down and sat. My daddy even knew those people. He knew them because they were they come to town, to our town, anytime they are out of their village. So he knew that. So they welcomed him. So he sat with them while I preached to all of them. Both my daddy was listening, and these men and their wives. And I prayed for them. They gave their life to Christ, and I prayed for them. Then I knew why my daddy was coming, saying, No, you don't need to be driving me from next village to next village. Just go back home. So after I prayed for them, I said, Daddy, you guys just go back home. I'm on my way. I will be going. And I left. I didn't get to their vehicle anymore. And later, when I came back some other time, my daddy was telling me that those people that I prayed for, when he was sitting down with them, they were the ones that persuaded him that, no, this man is not crazy. <laughs> because he, he was telling them that this is my son. He was a college student. And they told him that he must be crazy. He was walking this village road. I said, no, from what he was teaching us, God is using this man. He was not, he's not crazy. Rest your mind. Go back home. And by that time I have left. I just told them, you better go back home. I'm okay. So those people knew because they were churchgoers. At least they could understand what I was teaching. They were churchgoers. But my daddy was not a churchgoer. He just knew that God had said he would use this boy. But they were, my daddy was Muslim. 
but he was nominal Muslim, so it's not like uh, he could do anything about me preaching the gospel. So what I was saying is that they thought Jesus Christ was crazy too when he was doing all of this thing. That's how they would think any of us that are going out of our way to do things that God told us to do, that is strange to them. This looks strange to them. When I was saying I was going to go from village to village, and many people were delivered on that day that I was going from village to village. But that night before I started journey, you to me, people that I would meet on the road, that I would pray for that we get their here healed, elderly woman. And I saw that happen in that same journey. But see, the devil wanted to rouse up things so that I didn't go through that journey. That's why he made some people send for help and say, get this man out of the streets. Get this man out of the streets. And that was what the Pharisees also were being led by the devil to say, get this man out of the streets. It's crazy. He's tell his parents to go and get him out. And that was what Mark was reporting that his friends came to take him out of the street. In Mark chapter 3. And you see the same thing when well, he went for that year. Verse 22 says, And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem, verse 22, said, He has Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casted he out devils. This is, that's why they were putting that pressure on his family members. That this man has Beelzebub. Look at how he's talking to these demons. Ah, and those people thought maybe we need to get them get them out of the street also. Verse 23, and he called them unto himself and said unto them in parable, How can Satan cast out Satan? They won't be able to answer that, but he was telling them as Jesus Christ. And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but as an end. He's telling them that you think you, I have a devil, I'm casting devils out by the power of the devil, then that means the devil himself is attacking his own kingdom. This is a kingdom against kingdom. Jesus Christ is the head of the kingdom of God and he come to attack the kingdom of darkness. And that's what they could understand that they thought it was because they themselves claim to be following God, they don't have this power. They think anybody that has that power must be from another side. Verse 27 said, Christ went, continued and said, No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. In short, he said that Satan is already bound by him. That's why he could spoil the house of Satan. Verse 28, verily, verily, I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men and blasphemies wherewith they shall, wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But he, shall, he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost has never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Now, what did Lord mean that he was telling them that they are blaspheming against him, saying he is using the power of Beelzebub to cast out devils. And he said he he's forgiving them. He said, but if they bless him against the Holy Ghost, means when he will send the Holy Ghost to be doing the same thing through the disciples, which are we, the apostles are we. When we begin to do this, the Holy Ghost is doing through us. Said that if they bless him, then they will not be forgiven when they are blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. In another place, it's told that if I cast, it, I cast out devils by Beelzebub, how do your sons, meaning the apostles that he sent on them, how do they cast them out? They will be your judges. So those are all these ways the Lord using indicting against those Pharisees that was accusing him or blaspheming against him. Verse 30. See, because they said he has an unclean spirit. Verse 31 said, There came then 
his brethren and his mother. See, see what I'm talking about. And his mother, and standing without sense unto him, calling him. Now, this is the example I'm trying to point out because he already said it to us in, in uh, verse 21 that his friends came to take him out of the street. Then, maybe that one, they are not successful. Then his mother and his brother now came. They want to talk to him. Maybe they want to say, well, what we are hearing about you or what the Pharisees were saying is no good. Or maybe you should get out. Or maybe you stop this thing. That's perhaps what they wanted to. They said they, were, they, wanted to talk to, they wanted to talk to him. They saw the crowd. And they stay outside the crowd and say, let somebody send, send somebody to go and call him out. If they call him out, they want to do what? And tell him to stop it or get out of the street or don't do that anymore because they are see, hearing the pressure from the the pharisees and the rulers of the of their synagogue that this man is not it's not right so they said they sent unto him calling him and the multitude sat about him and they said unto him behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek for him now you would have said how come his mother may be part of that when the pressure came upon all body, many people just gave up. You see, many that knew the angel told him that this son is the son of God, and maybe he has even done miracles in the house before. Now, when this thing break out, and the pressure from the rulers, those people that Mary respected, the chief the rulers of the synagogue, remember they say he went to, to, to his city, Nazareth, and most likely Mary was in the city on that, in that, in that synagogue, on that day. most likely, I don't know. But when, he was, when Jesus Christ was there, the Bible said he, he took the book and told them that the, the prophecy of Isaiah should fulfilled right before your eyes. And started telling them that. And that was when he preached to them and said, I, I have the Spirit of God, I am anointed. And he said, you will tell me that physician in yourself, that in the days of Elijah, the, God did he, the, the people are not... Elisha, in the days of Elisha, it was a sinner that was healed. In this Elijah, it was a widow from Sarepta that was healed. Almost like God is forsaking Israel. They got mad at him and grabbed hold of him and wanted to kill him right there and throw him out of the... You can you, just imagine if Mary was in the synagogue with the people that they saw how they responded to Jesus and wanted to kill him. And he escaped out of their hand. So that pressure alone is making Mary also to, to tremble. So that's what I'm trying to point out. It's enough to make any, any person to tremble. So now if they came and challenged Mary and said, well, get your son out of the other way, we are going to stone him. That's what he called some of his friends and said, let's go talk to Jesus. So that's why they said they came and said, the people that were around said, behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. Verse 32. But Christ already knew why they came. So he answered them the way he wanted to. And he, and he answered them and said, who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. Almost like saying, Well, if they are, you knew what the why they come, so he just that's why he responded to them like that. That anyone that do the will of God is my mother and my brother and my sister. So he didn't go to attend to them because he knew why they came. But it's an example of how anyone that is doing the work of the Lord, the devil will try to brand you that. The devil is the one that you are serving, but you know that you are not serving the devil. Don't let that, don't let that uh, this, um, persuade you to stop doing what you are doing. If you are doing for the Lord, the Lord is sending you through the Holy Ghost. Just keep doing your work. The devil is trying to tag everybody that is the one that is using them, so that people can run away from the the 
be precious. But no, Jesus Christ showed that example. He said, He didn't let that persuade him. He just said, Who is my mother? Or my brother? Anyone that do the will of my father, he said, That's my mother, my brother, my sister. This is the end of chapter 3, and we'll continue this in the next uh, chapter.